Hello, and welcome to another edition of No Life's Paranormal, where three nerdy paranormal investigators sit down and discuss spooky stories from the web. My name is Joe. I'm the lead investigator. My name is Teresa, and I am the researcher. My name is Alex. I'm the Bobby Yaga enthusiast and the equipment center upper of the group. Yeah. So, yeah, I got nothing to say to that. So, <laughs> so I don't think we have any announcements to get into this week. I actually have none. I have no announcements at all. It is a boring week. Um, yeah. no, what I will say is I will say thanks to my, my group at work. I didn't bring it up during a recent stand-up meeting at work. Mm-hmm. And I have some certain people that can only start listening to the show. So nice. Cool. Welcome. If you're listening this week, welcome. Yeah. We're glad to have you. We super appreciate you. I hope that you enjoy the content. And of course, if you have any stories, share them with us. Yeah. Make sure to click like and follow. Thanks. <laughs> Speaking of work, I actually got a new job. Today was my second day at my new job. Just for anonymity purposes, I'm not going to say where it is, but uh, the ladies that I'm working with are stellar. None of them that I'm aware of know about this podcast yet. (laughs) I will change that. But yeah, they're all pretty fabulous. So it's kind of shocking that you haven't told them already because you're normally the first one. To I know. Up. I'm like, hey guys, guess what I do? Yeah, but no, they're they're super fabulous, and I like them all a lot. So yeah. hopefully, this is going to be a good one for me. We've been doing this podcast for almost a year. Almost. Yeah. We have a monthly newsletter that comes out with like podcast of the month for like our specific group, the yeah. MQAs yeah. at Amazon. Right? I neglected to even mention it up until this point. <laughs> that's why you're not the media person. That's right. <laughs> that's, why <you're> the <laughs> person. Yeah. that's how we made them the tech guy, people. It is who it is. I'm as I'm curious. I remember you. Thank you. If this is your first time turning in, we appreciate it. Absolutely. I guess that would make us the media people because I posted it on my manager's profile for work. So. Well, I don't know. You're saying that you did right. it. Yeah. Even our logo is posted on there. So. I am fine with it. Due diligence. Due must, diligence. You, it's you today. You're the media guy today because I didn't mention my new job yet either. <laughs> but you know what? I'm only on day two. Give me a second. Right. You got some time. <laughs> so. I'll win them all over first. This week was Sarah Saturday. is my kind of boss. Okay. She's in charge of the Pittsburgh region. Gotcha. So I got to excite her a little bit by the fact that we did Pittsburgh or we did Pennsylvania last week. Right. <laughs> That's a good episode. No. Yeah. So that this was. week we are focusing on Alabama. Alabama. Beautiful, great state of Alabama. Which I actually, one of the articles I did look up, I didn't go with the story, but it, it caught my eye. It was kind of hilarious. It was uh, spooky stories with the twine. That's actually pretty, that's pretty genius. That's but super. the story really didn't go anywhere, so I didn't really pick it. So No, no, I get it. I get it. But that's super with a 20. Yeah. I have done I got a bit of a 20. <clears throat> all of the stage and had fun doing all of the stage. Uh, what I will say is I don't think I've ever had quite the reaction for both my friends and family and people that just, I know that listen to the podcast as we did with Tennessee. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 But that's only because my story was mildly, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Well, yeah. We spent a lot of time in Tennessee, though we actually lived there for a while. So, yeah, I was about to say, you guys had the insider, insider knowledge. Who's Annie? It was hilarious. Yeah. Or Hootin' Annie. Yeah. I still say yeah. that. I don't say Hootin' Annie anymore. Now it's Hootin' Annie. Yeah. How? I haven't changed it. It's just the way it is. Hootin' Annie is really not my vocabulary wheelhouse. So, <laughs> 
But we're not going to cheat you. We are going to move on to Alabama. Alabama yes. was the state this week. I had a great time in Alabama. I actually have a story that I like a lot. Yeah, I, there was a lot of stories that I saw that like piqued my interest. And as far as paranormal and lore, which is two of the ones I go into. Heck yeah. But this one I chose a little bit like maybe you could table this for a roundtable discussion. But I, I kind of want to preface a point with the story that I have. So yeah. I get that. What I'll say is like the Southeast U.S., like the whole like Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, New Orleans, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Like there's a lot of good stories from that corner oh, of yeah. the U.S. Oh, yeah. Well, it's that, that Southern tier mm-hmm. that, oh, you did? No, you didn't. It's that kind of thing. <laughs> right. right. And, you know, I grew up in the, my parents were from the great Appalachia. You know what I mean? Like the uh, the very southern tip of Ohio, mostly Kentucky, Virginia, yeah. yada, yada, yada. So the, there's the Appalachia part. Yeah. Here where we live, we are actually just barely not considered Appalachia. So it actually comes, it extends uh, yeah, a lot further north. Than it's, 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 it's anything within like that middle of the snake, middle snake. of the, yeah, uh, the <laughs> uh, middle of the state, like. Not mountains, but like hill belt, and then yeah. south of that is all Appalachia. I don't know you guys said some word there that made my OCD, ADHD go haywire. 100%. So <laughs> southern tip, I'm like that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I get it. I'm not debating that fact. It's just in my brain. <laughs> you asked any southern man? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like wait, what? <laughs> like I said. My brain's a weird place, so just go with it. <laughs> but yeah, who's going first this week? Yeah, I can't remember the last time I went first, so I will if you want me to. Zip me up. I'll actually go last this week because I think mine is going to table more of a discussion rather than anything else, so I'll cool. go last this week. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Fair. I'll go somewhere in the middle. Who's that car? That's between you and her. There's right. only three of us. Yeah, uh, yeah. That makes perfect sense to me. 50-50. all right so this week i focused on montevello university which is in montevello alabama obviously shocking so yeah i know right who to thunk it so the university of montevello is actually spread across 160 acres of the main campus surrounded by lawns green groves flower beds it's absolutely beautiful super well manicured there are 28 campus buildings in total and the entire property is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. The University of Montevallo is a very high quality but relatively small liberal arts college with about 3,100 students and an incredibly well-educated faculty. Uh, many, many beautiful buildings, both old and new, house the students, the four colleges and their support staff, classrooms, administration, libraries, and all the other things you need, obviously, to run a successful college. So the four colleges that make up the university are the College of Arts and Sciences, the Michael E. Stevens College of Business, the College of Education, and the College of Fine Arts. So those combined have a lot of really interesting buildings with a lot of incredibly rich past. So the land where the college stands now has got its very own history apart from the buildings. Wealthy businessman Edmund King moved to the area in 1820s, sometime in the early 1820s, with his wife and son, and they carved out a little homestead on top of the hill. They lived there with a neighboring Indian tribe, actually, who 
still occupied the land at that time and hadn't been, you know, brought off yet. Thank goodness. He named his lovely home Mansion House, known now as the King's House, because obviously Mr. King. Uh, It was considered the most glorious mansion in the county, uh, possibly the entire state. Uh, His family and his money were the two things that he held very near to his heart. As time passed, more people developed the area. During the Civil War, an existing building was turned into a Confederate hospital building. Uh, It's now known as Reynolds Hall. So Reynolds Hall used to be a Confederate hospital. As as the area became a rest and regroup area for Confederate forces, underground tunnels were supposedly also constructed, which would make safer travel for the rebels to move about. Nearby in town, there was the Briarfield Iron Works, where high-quality iron was made for the Confederate Army's war effort. When a group of Union Army led by General Sherman swept into town, they completely destroyed the Iron Works. And then they made a pit stop at the Confederate Hospital and absolutely massacred all of the sick and wounded men. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what you do. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's what I do. But you know. Well, I mean, you, you don't hear a senior being like, I came, I saw, I felt really bad about it. I felt really bad about it, exactly. <laughs> Cut the spike. <laughs> <laughs> the, the victims of this were buried in King Cemetery, which was on the property. So present day, it is still located on the campus. So this was actually ridiculously shitty. What actually happened was Reynolds Hall became that Confederal hospital. Obviously, it was named after Captain Henry Reynolds. He oversaw the hospital. He ended up having to leave his post to go and assist soldiers at the Briarfield Ironworks because that's where the Union had attacked first. Nobody really thought anything of it, quite honestly. But when he returned he realized that the hospital had been attacked and all of the wounded soldiers had been just completely demolished. I mean, and they really weren't cool about it either. Like, they just left bodies and blood everywhere. Yeah. So he was obviously incredibly overcome with guilt because that was his post. He was watching over these men. Right. So to this day it is said that his spirit actually still remains there in the hospital <laughs> doing rounds and making sure that the building is secure. They also, he, while he was, while he was, I, I think they said that something about his picture was hung up in the main hall and they did a re- sort of a reconstruction of the building and they took his picture down and they went to hang up the picture of like the guy who currently runs that facility or something. That man's picture was taken down and mysteriously General Reynolds' picture was, I'm sorry, Captain Reynolds' picture was hung right back up where it was before. Okay. So they were like, okay, fine. And now it's still there. So wait, they did that on purpose or whatever is there? On purpose when they did renovations, they took his picture down. Gotcha, gotcha. And then presumably his spirit Hung it back up. Okay, that's what. Okay, that's what. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. Anyway, so moving on. Sorry. In October of eighteen ninety six, the old hospital and the existing buildings became the Alabama Girls Industrial School. This was actually opened up as sort of an educational experiment because at this time, women were homemakers and moms. Like that's that's it. That's all you do. While this, the goal was to educate young women to be self-supporting by training them to be teachers, 
bookkeepers, artists, musicians, dressmakers, telegraphers, and milliners, which is you know, like milling things. This school was sort of the dream of a woman by the name of Julia Tutwiler. It was her mission to provide as much education for women and education opportunities for women as she possibly could. And so Captain Henry Reynolds was actually one of the main backers of this college, and he worked incredibly hard to help it get established. So it wasn't surprising, of course, that he became the first president of the institution. Right. The old hospital building was renamed Reynolds Hall in honor of him. Unfortunately, he was asked to leave as president of the university when it was discovered that students had been directly sending him their tuition money. No. Which was then going into his personal bank account. Nice, right? Yeah. So, like, the first history of, like, embezzlement. There you go. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Found upon in its establishment. Exactly. <laughs> the four-story west wing of the main dormitory hall for the students was built and ready for occupancy in the fall of 1897. By 1899, the student body was made up of about 400 young women. In this dormitory was where there was actually a fire on the fourth floor in 1908, and a young woman by the name of Condi Cunningham, unfortunately, caught fire and burned to death in the building. Wow. Yes. Yes. Okay. Spontaneous combustion or? No, no, it was actually. So it was. So here's the official story. So it was the night of February 4th, 1908. Condi Cunningham and her roommate were making hot chocolate using a chafing dish and alcohol as fuel. Okay, so fuckery. Fuckery. When the curfew signal <laughs> rang out, these boys. the girls rushed to put their items away, knocking over the bottle of alcohol, which got onto Condi's gown, and then her gown caught fire, and she ran out of her fourth floor dorm, screaming for help. By the time the flames were, were finally put out, it was too... Two devastating of injuries. Yeah. They did take her to the hospital, unfortunately, two days later, on the 6th of February, she passed. After she died, her face, interestingly enough, supposedly is actually burned into the door of the dorm room where she where she stayed. Yeah. So there's some sort of a burn mark that very much resembles her face. In that room. Or is it looking? Go ahead. Yeah, it wasn't like yeah. her face touched the door. It was just a. Like a flash mob. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Eventually, that door was replaced with a locking metal door, and no one has been assigned to that room ever since. To this day, residents of the main hall say that they can still periodically hear Condi running down the hall, see a flaming apparition running down the hall in a nightgown and can hear her screaming for help. Wow. Yeah. So huh. that's, that's something. Poor girl. Yeah. Let's see here. In 1907, there was a new guy who became president of the place, Thomas Waver- Waverly Palmer. After demand for teachers 
training programs became evident, Palmer instituted a more ambitious teaching program, which blossomed throughout the years. In 1911, the industrial school was upgraded to the Alabama Girls Technical Institute. And in 1919, it became the Alabama Girls Technical Institute and College for Women. And in 1923, it simply just became Alabama College State College for Women, (laughs) a degree-granting institution. I don't know why they really needed the name to be that long. Right. Sounds like they couldn't decide on the names. So they just just gave it all the names. (laughs) Now I have to cough, damn it. Yeah, not me this way. <laughs> in 1956, men finally started being admitted to the school. So yet again, the name of the school changed, <laughs> and it was just called the Alabama State College. It evolved and it grew, and come September of 1969, it finally became the University of Montevallo, which it has stayed. <laughs> like, I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, for now. For now, it has stayed. So, I mean, there are there are plenty of really amazing stories about the individual houses as a whole. There is one, the women's hall, which is the third floor of the of Hanson Hall, houses a sorority. It's a dedicated entity who is a very, very strict house mother, seems to still be on the job, watching over the women in her residence hall. Residents who stay up late feel like they're being watched by an unseen presence that seems to be patrolling the halls and comes inside of each girl's room to investigate if they're up past bedtime. Mama's watching. Yep. One student left her mug on the desk. It mysteriously disappeared one day and then reappeared in the same exact spot a few weeks later. Former Hall. Now, now this building is really interesting, actually. It's 1,100-foot auditorium with an organ a stage area there's a basement where they like you know get ready to go on the stage things like that let's see here there the gentleman who built the place was w.h trumbar bauer yeah he was known as trummy <coughs> weird Anyway, he was one of the designers of Palmer Hall. Um, Unfortunately, his name accidentally got left off of the cornerstone when it was all said and done. So, to this day, (laughs) Mr. Trumbauer, who was an enthusiastic supporter of the annual college night, which is a contest that's held to see who can put on the best play, and other homecoming festivities, things like that, will give his opinion, he will clap, or he will boo, and they will actually hear this. He lets the living know which play he thinks is best by swinging the bands over the performance of his pick. During the final dress rehearsal of all of the shows in the contest, because he was a perfectionist, and his opinion is highly valued. So if this happens during your play... They actually announce it, and they're like, "Hey, yours, yours was the favorite." Cool. So neat stuff. The old mirrors that used to be in the dressing room, uh, people will see entities if they're staring into the mirror, looking at it. They will see women in garb that's like old-fashioned, or garb that came from different plays over the course of time. Right. Like, like they're seeing them in the mirror, like they're dressing in that room. So really interesting stuff there. But let's see here. There's so much. There's just so much. 
the king's house, which was obviously Edmund King's home. Uh, you know, obviously, that place has a lot of bad juju with the fact that it was the Civil War hospital right. and the things that happened oh, there. Yeah. Lots. So there it is multiple apparitions in that building. One of them, it is, of course, Mr. King himself, who is seen walking around sort of patrolling the place, if you will, just making sure that everything is 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 good and everybody is safe. There is an apparition of an old man that has been seen wandering around outside carrying a lantern and a shovel. Now, this is interesting. See, he has a shovel. He has a shovel. <laughs> Inside your just and, like, and mind you, this man can actually be seen during the day as well, walking in the in the in the grass. Yeah, he's seen day or night. Doesn't make any difference. Huh. Now, there is a rumor that back in the day, Edmund King actually hid a rather large treasure of gold and jewelry in the ground on the property. Oh. And he was waiting until the war was over to dig it back up and have his fortune. Right. Fair. Because, you know, they would have just taken it from him for war efforts. Well, unfortunately, he passed away before the war ended. So somewhere on the property, his his little treasure is still there. So that's why they believe that they're seeing him walking around with a lantern and a shovel. Because he's like, well, war's over. Time to dig up my goodies. Now it was the Civil War? Correct. Yes. So there's also been the apparition of an elderly gentleman seen sitting at the table, counting coins, in the dining room on the inside of the house. Students who are walking past this one also during the day will see a gentleman in nineteen and eighteen hundreds garb waving in a in a very good natured way from one of the second floor windows. Okay, like if they're outside, they'll see him waving. During a wedding reception held in the house, a huge white-robed phantom became visible underneath the dining table and floated out the window in front of all of the guests. Over a hundred people saw this. Okay. Yes. And then, of course, there are cold spots that are felt randomly, but very, very often, in Mr. King's old bedroom. The old main hall has multiple female entities, including Miss Condi Cunningham, who unfortunately came to her demise. Disembodied voice heard yelling, help me. The door to her old room swinging open and hitting the wall like, you know, like, holy crap, somebody's trying to get out of there quick. Right. There is another young woman who haunts the place who unfortunately opted out by hanging in the building some years back. It's been speculated that it was actually her face that was etched into that door and not Condi's face. But nobody knows, and now it doesn't matter because the wooden door's been replaced. Hearing the footsteps, of course, running down the hall, seeing flaming body and hair running down the hall, all kinds of just badness. The theater building is currently the theater building Reynolds Hall. Of course, Captain Henry Reynolds and that whole story and yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy shit. Yeah, sounds like it. So, super mm. fun story and lots and lots of ghosts at Montevallo University. Yeah, you said it was six different buildings with six different things. So, yeah, that's that's a lot of ground to cover. And some of the buildings had mm. multiple things. 
So also, to be fair, the treasury stuff is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I have some friends that have history in Alabama, well, family history in Alabama, who supposedly have hordes of gold buried on family land in Alabama. As well. From what I'm understanding, it's a very, very common thing because... Uh, apparently, Alabama is a very gold-rich place. I don't, I don't even know because there's, there's quite a few. It's, it's not just one. I don't even know if it's Alabama per se. I think this is how the Southerners lived because their fortune, if they got taken over, it could just be put back into war efforts for the Northern Army. And I say that with quotation marks. Exactly. That's literally so, the end of it. And it's found, it's gone. That's I it. mean, hell, some of my relatives that lived there in Ohio even put, like, it was a fortune, but they put what money they had in a safe in the backyard and buried it because yep. they didn't want anybody to come take it. Now, the absolute only... Common back then. Right. The only, the only thing we have that that could potentially tell us if if the gold exists the only indication we have of where it might be is that supposedly it was buried in his orchard because that was his favorite place to take bombs or maybe orchard was a keyword for somewhere else who knows never know <laughs> never know right but yep one way or the other that was a fun story yeah which it, it, it in and i'm just gonna say this and this probably has nothing to do with the paranormal but even with all the buried treasure out there like they have stuff to go into the ground to find treasure and so they just can't find exactly so it's like does it actually exist or did he just make that up exactly i don't know that anyone has ever actually hunted for this particular treasure so i wonder dude he's walking out with the shovel so that's a he's trying to find out where it's at. Yes, I can't remember. So it's a pretty big place. Right. Just right. saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's walking around trying to find out because he can't remember where he put it. Right. <laughs> but a 120 acre property, that would be something to, you know, go over 120 acres with like ground penetrating radar or something like that. You'd be able for a walk. Yeah, but to be fair, if he goes to the shovel and he doesn't have ground penetrating radar, it's going to take a while to walk 120 acres. That's a fact. Can human walk? Human walk. Not is ghost walk. Fair. <laughs> is like ghost walk slower? <laughs> no, it's quicker. They can bam. Are we, are we talking about the time between the Feywilds and the uh, material plane? Yes. Maybe. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But yeah, yeah. Awesome yeah. sauce. So, Alex, go ahead and tell us about your story. Uh, my story. Well, let's talk about him, historical significance. Uh, so, the Lucas Tavern and the Federal Road played very important roles in settling of Alabama in the early 19th century. Built sometime prior to 1818, the Lucas Tavern is the oldest building and was originally located about 15 miles east of Montgomery, Alabama, on the Federal Road at Lion Creek, today known as Waugh. Uh, Waugh. <laughs> <laughs> Taverns such as this were located about every 15 miles, a good day's walking distance along the Federal Road, which was an important link between Washington, D.C. and New Orleans. Interesting. Uh-huh. Very. These taverns provided food, drink, shelter, and information travelers, many of whom were traveling to the Alabama Territory after the federal government opened it up for settlement following the Battle of Horseshoe Bend in 1814. Walter and Eliza Lucas acquired the tavern, <coughs> Lucas Tavern, go figure. Makes sense. Around 1820. On April 15th, or April 25th of 1825, the Marquis de Lafayette, the French hero of the Revolutionary War, spent the night at Lucas Tavern, 
when he and his entourage realized they would not make it to the destination of Montgomery by dark. So, invited by the United States to be guests of the nation, his tour of 25 states was in honor of his service during the Revolutionary War. Walter also had a store and gin at Lime Creek, but continued to operate the tavern with Eliza until 1842, when travel along the Federal Road had decreased due to the development of other roads. The Lucases eventually left Alabama, caught up in the westward movement. During the 1820 to the 1840s era, the Lucas Tavern was a favorite upscale place for travelers arriving in Montgomery to spend the night in clean beds, enjoy a good meal, and warm southern hospitality of its owner and hostess, Eliza. Eliza loved what she did and raised her family here. She had little education, but was a motivated hard worker who put all of her or, I'm sorry, put her all into her tavern. Her warm hospitality, pleasant disposition, and wonderful service made her tavern business success. In 1840, the Lucas Tavern became a private home and stayed that way for over 100 years. Hmm. The building was abandoned in the 1960s, but fortunately, the Landmarks Foundation stepped in to its rescue in, 18, or in 1978 and moved the favorite tavern into the old Alabama town. The structure is currently the oldest in the old Alabama town. Other structures that were restored to their old or their former historic glory at the same time that you may or may not know about some of them would be Tombstone, Arizona, was resurrected at the same time as the Lucas Tavern. <clears throat> The Hartford Twain House Museum in Connecticut, the forever home where Mark Twain was, the Mark Twain family was restored and the spirits of Hart and his family and several occupants <laughs> are known to haunt. The Morton Estate in the Mount Massachusetts, the Bullock Hotel in South Dakota, where the spectral owner of Seth Bullock expects to expects the living employees to be professional. Curtis House in Connecticut, where a male spirit keeps a close eye on tavern cashiers. Apparently, <laughs> 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 he's still kind of happy about his business practices, right? <laughs> or you smell good. Right. <laughs> or you smell good. It's either or. Uh, so when the Lucases moved into the tavern, it was a two-room dog rock with an open hallway. Later, two more shed rooms were added. And it was enclosed. One of the added rooms was the dining room with an exit to the outside, which allowed Eliza to serve meals to her guests from the nearby, from the nearby kitchen site. Despite the building being later used as residence, then storage, and eventually abandoned, much of the interior of the Lucas Tavern is still original. So, uh, let's talk about some of the manifestations. The most Common sighting is of Eliza Lucas, that of a five foot three inch woman dressed in a Victorian dress, waving cordially and smiling at people passing by. So, on, hospitality. Exactly. On one Saturday morning in 1985, a man came inside the tavern earnestly wanting to meet Eliza, whom he had encountered the first time just inside the front door. Eliza Lucas has not only appeared to various staff and guides, 
She also considers herself a member of the governing Old Hall Historic Committee and frequently shows up during government town hall meetings. That's pretty cool. Huh. <laughs> still, still got a voice to be heard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's true. Eliza also take, takes objects and puts them in different areas. She likes to rearrange, straighten up, or put in disarray various objects, things, or displays in the tavern and in the <laughs> government hall. Because how dare you interrupt a southern woman's <laughs> <laughs> But that's kind of the story of the Lucas Tavern. That said, so the Lucas Tavern still does offer tours and different so different tours around the town and the tavern itself and different meals that it offers. The tour of the Lucas Tavern, they do Thursdays through Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. They are closed on Sundays. And tickets are literally sold at the Lucas Tavern at 310 North Hull Street. Very cool. Cool. Tickets to go to a tavern. Who the fuck did? <laughs> tickets are 15 bucks. Children's Bright One Under are free with paid adult admission. So. Hmm. I'm a child, so I yes. feel very relaxed. Ask my wife. I'm a child. <laughs> That's I'm going to try that next time I go to some place. Be like, <laughs> hey, honey, am I a child? Yes. You get it for free. <laughs> I mean, they can't support that, right? It was, right? I'll order up the kids' menu. It's fine. Because any dude who sits there, or not just any dude, but any woman that sits there and says like, oh, no, you're like, no, you're, you're telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that'd be really cool to tour that place. That's all. Yeah, I agree. All right. Rock on. Sounds fun. That's, That's it. my story, and I'm sticking to it. And what I love most is he said that there was a guy who came up, and he had met Eliza. And Apparently, he, said, he had met her. And it's really fair. So this guy, when he came back and said he had met her, uh, this guy said that in 1985. Yeah, so they're like, oh, no, well, he hasn't yeah. been here in like a hundred Eliza years. and his, Eliza and her husband bought the place in 1820. Right. Yeah. yeah. So well, somebody lived to be like 180. Yeah, he did meet Eliza in 1985. I right. I 100% was, believe he absolutely met her. I mean, yeah, we've all kind of dealt with that before. Like, no, I was just talking to this person over here and like, there's no one there. Yeah, there's somebody. And then you start going in your own mind, like, am I losing it? Like. And like she is super described as this woman in white in the Victorian dress right. and shows up as the woman in white in photographs. Uh, I try to avoid woman in white stories. Right, right. Because it's all white woman is, in white. Uh, a, lot of black and white, a lot of black and white photography, in my opinion, right. is that explains the woman in white all by itself. It, it, it sounds to me like she was just authentically a very good southern woman who's just stuck around no. from everything that i read and everything that i've heard and people's experiences there yeah so hospitality of the course she loved her tavern she yeah. loved owning something and you know, like i said i got so much hospitality i can't leave right right exactly i dig it though yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so if you're you're done okay so my story it's a little bit different i'll I'll preface it by saying that it's going to provoke thought and we, it's something that we've talked about on the podcast before uh, we like it uh, provoking thought but read i'm talking about frank fleming's statue the storyteller have I've, you guys heard of it? i know who he is yes okay well he created this 
monument statue. It's kind of like got a pole on it with some things around it. And it's got a, a figure of a man with a ram head on it with a staff. Okay. And he's sitting on like, well, he's kind of standing, but it kind of looks like he's in because he's a ram. And then five frogs surrounding the ram. Mm-hmm. And it's in a pool and the frogs are spitting out water. I think I know what so, you're referring to. Yes. So Frank Fleming created it. It's called the Storyteller. So when he created it, the author actually had no idea what he was actually creating. Yeah. The frogs are in the shape of a pentagram. Huh. And the ram head mirrors that of a satanic sculpture from back in the day of what they imagine like Lucifer to look like. I'm, a, I'm already invited on the first frogs. So, right. Right. <laughs> so upon the sculptor's creation, some people met it with like, Hey man, that's, that's gorgeous. You know, like I love how you did. It looks really good. Other people yeah. were like repulsed by it because of what it represented. Since this creation, it has had multiple ghost sightings around it. They say that Satan comes there at night to dance around it and take a bath. <laughs> it is actually a favorite among, and I'm going to say this, it's just a word, Satanist to come there and worship Satan. Now, as we all know, a lot, there's a different, there's two different sects with that. So part of it do worship Satan. Part of it is just like, yeah, he's just a dude. Right. Like, but this attracts the latter, the one that come there and worship him. Uh, there's been animal sacrifices found there. That's interesting. Uh, there has been, quote-unquote, portals to hell found there because it's a pentagram, so it opens up the gate to hell. Really? It has actually affected some of the businesses around there. Huh. As far as, like, hauntings, people being run out because they felt like a demon was there, and all of that. So they uh, it's, it's, and this has gone on since its creation to present day. That's interesting shit. So it's constantly going around. The most popular figure is a figure of a hooded man that has horns coming out, who they actually say is the original person for the sculpture. They say that Satan is coming to experience his handiwork. That's interesting. Yes. They said there is a black mist around the pool on certain nights, specifically with full moons. And it's this... Oh, 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 I so it's a fountain that not mm-hmm. like a pool pool that would, you know... On the yes, I'll show you a picture of it right now. Well, if it's a sizable fountain. Yeah, it's a pretty big. You know, I mean, I was thinking more like fall of this that you know comes off of like. Yeah. No. Cooler, warm. No, water. this is like a black mist That's crazy. that forms around the fountain at full moon nights when supposedly you know the freaks come out at night, kind of thing. So, <laughs> excuse me. So with that, they're saying that Satan is coming to admire the handiwork of one of his minions that created a sculpture for. Him. Huh. That's interesting. So, with all of that. A lot of church groups have tried to get it ixnade, taken out, and all of that. Sure. So. Well, they're the first ones that get pissy about stuff like that. Not just some of the church groups, also some of the people that live there that have no doubt, like, this is bringing bad juju in here, let's get rid of it. Well, right, right. So, I get that. I get but, that. It's crazy. Here's the thing. Everything of what I just said is a straight-up lie. What? That is the reports coming from around there. You had me going. Fleming, when he created it, wanted to inspire, in, inspire, wanted to invoke thought and imagination among children. Oh, if you gosh. think, if you think of old storytelling, old Southern storytelling, think of Briar Rabbit. Okay, yeah. 
They're mischievous creatures. They're fun-loving. They're witty. They're this. It's an old-time Southern storytelling. Goodness gracious. He created it for that reason. Didn't even have any idea. Like, he didn't create the frogs in a five-star pentagram. Didn't do anything like that. He just created it to spark imagination within children. That's insane. And the townsfolk took it as you're trying to summon Satan to our humble village. Oh, my God. So, the picture that you saw was just that. It was Briar Rabbit sitting there telling a story to his fellow creatures. That's amazing. And that's all the author did with it. That's all he did. And they, like, and they blew their shit. That's part of the expression. And now it's come to know, like, now since that has come out, everybody's like, oh, all right. Hysteria led into that. <laughs> and this is what I want to bring up. Our minds have a, a way of creating something out of nothing. Yes. It can be used for good. It can also be used for evil. Yes. This sculpture, I don't even know if that, I don't know if he was more of an artist, musician, or what, he just created the sculpture, had the purest intentions of making this to spark imagination within children of like, oh, sit around telling a story. Grandpa's telling me a story and I'm sitting around, you know, like we've all had with our grandparents and uncles and when they're telling a story and it's close to bedtime, we're sitting around just listening to tell a story. Exactly. Uh, or in the bed, like sometimes my parents would do, I'd be going to bed, I'd lay in there and they'd read me a story to go to bed. Our imaginations though sometimes can run wild and take liberties with some things that should not be taken liberties with. I'll agree with that. As far as satanic cultists coming to there that is actually true really there are some satanic cultists that come there and then see the thing and then wonder why why would we come to see this this is not what it is (laughs) that's insane so there's a, a misconception with a lot of paranormal sculptures bigfoot there's a lot of misconception that goes around this is a perfect story of what i kind of wanted to get into the misconception of something that we see that we want it to be more than what it actually is. No I expectations totally versus reality. I totally agree with you. And the fact that I actually brought this up to my wife the other day, because as you can imagine, being a paranormal investigator, I follow a lot of paranormal Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. Right. And I brought it to my wife the other day that I feel like a lot of groups have forgotten the origins of paranormal and like the basic rules right right uh, and, and by that i mean like you know they, they post pictures and they're like i see this i see this and i was like you know i started doing this i i started doing this a quarter of a century uh, 25 years yeah quarter of a century makes it seem older <laughs> but i started doing this 25 years ago did did nobody nowadays ever explain to you what matrixing is they like, really. like you, you caught a very blurry photograph, yeah. all right? Like you got you got a light streak on a picture. That doesn't mean that you see a picture in the light streak. Right. That means your brain makes up something. Exactly. And but that doesn't necessarily mean that something may not have been there. With this instance, it wasn't a picture, it was literally a sculpture that the creator of it was just standing there. Like admiring the stuff, and then all of a sudden, some dude come up and be like, "You're summoning Satan." <laughs> when agreed, I was just trying to explain yeah, it in yeah, today's yeah. terms as well. I got you. Yeah. So yes, I agree with you. A lot of people that are in this industry and in in the world in general have lost that wonderment. We've lost the imagination to go find out 
what is actually happening, to find out what is causing this. Nowadays, it's more like, let's just stick a Band-Aid on it, call it this, and that's good to go. Yeah. And this story is a perfect example of that. Instead of figuring out the truth, they made up something and almost cost what is actually, like if you saw the picture of it, it's a beautiful piece of artwork. It's a beautiful fountain. It's very well done. Granted, there's some what happens with iron when you make it over the years. It kind of deteriorates, but still beautiful looking. And we talked about it on this podcast before where people have taken one thing, made it into another. Now, I brought up the aspect of making something out of nothing. Where belief, strong enough belief can make something out of nothing. But yet, people have a strong belief with this, and it's created nothing. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> oh, I would get started. There's something to be said about that, because I do wholeheartedly believe that the collective energies can yeah. create things that didn't exist prior. Where? It's versa. They won't be able to take it away as well. And here, I was just about to bring that up because here's the thing. Every bit of the loop in that as a statue, so did it actually create some things in people's heads that that was actually existing? Right. But when the actual truth of it came out and people stopped believing of it, no one said anything about it since. Right. So do we have the power to create something and also decreate something by just pure thought? Yeah. Yeah. That is going to invoke a whole different conversation. I think so, for sure. But. I, I really want to say this. If you're in a paranormal investigation and you see something that you can't quite explain, try your hardest to explain it and mm-hmm. debunk it. Yeah. Because always, always be looking for rational explanations. Right. Because just because you heard a noise down the hall doesn't mean it's a ghost. Right. It could be an animal in the place. It could be something else. So don't automatically jump to the conclusion that it's something satanic. It's something evil. Is it fun to think that every buck in the night is a ghost? Yeah, sure. It might get your general open, but I mean. Not really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I was going to rebuttal that by saying, yeah. but, you know, it's, that's also kind of not fun because then. You're on edge no constantly. More mystery. There's no more fun when you do actually find something. Well, I can tell you, and more I can probably assume that most of my group will agree with me at this point is much in the ways that you know uh, your standard everyday person will watch a paranormal show and believe that every bump in the night yeah. is a ghost is something paranormal in aspect march to the detriment of my group i will go above and beyond beyond and possibly even make up excuses to why it wasn't a ghost yeah no there's been some times where not just watching tv but we've actually looked at it at evidence you know not let's say because this is here it was at all i'm like no actually at madison me and you almost got into an argument over it <laughs> it's true <laughs> so so what i'll explain is in my situation the way that i look at it if i cannot absolutely prove or what i'll say it is if i can't it's if i can't prove or disprove in my opinion and make myself believe that this is what it is <laughs> Are we talking about like the situation where we were in that one room and we kept hearing something and we couldn't figure out what the hell it was in the hallway? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what had happened when I'm sorry, I was away from the mic. So you may have got to hear me, not hear me a little bit, but the situation that happened is me, Alex and my nephew were hearing steps down this hallway and we kept hearing, like we asked questions and you hear steps like it was going away. Oh, I think I heard like three or EVPs or something where you guys said something. Yes. And you're like, well, uh, this one, I don't know if you may have caught because we did this later on. Your no, this was just me having yeah. like by ourselves. Yeah. No, no, no. Keep in mind, though, I'm the one that reviewed all the audio. 
I explained it to you later when you were reviewing audio. Oh, yeah. but it was me, him, and Andrew by ourselves at that right. point. So we noticed there was two two doorways at the end of the hall, or two doors at the end of the hall that were propped open. Yeah, and there was that tall chair in between. And then there, yes, then there's a door behind it, and it had duct tape over where the keyhole used to be. And Alex said it was the wind knocking the doors back and forth. And I looked at it and I was like, there's no way in hell that could have done that because two doors don't touch and it's not hitting the other chair. And when it did hit the other chair, you heard a distinct metal sound. Also, I also preface this by saying one thing. What I'll say is there were between us three, uh, there were two very distinct noises that right, night. Right. right. I in no way, shape, or form was disputing, like, so... No, no, I know. So when the cat ball thing was going off... Yeah. And you and I were standing closest to that doorway... Yeah. I, once like you, did hear footsteps coming down the hall. Oh, 1,000%, yes. And I am in no way, shape, or form disputing the footsteps that I heard coming down the hall. Yeah. What I was trying to explain away, or maybe even to them yeah. make excuses for... Was when he, I, and Andrew stepped into the hallway in the corner. Yeah. The footsteps and knocking never seemed to move. But see, to me, it did. You, you okay. I heard distinct noises of walking so, away. To me, yeah. to be fair, if I, I felt or heard that it was getting closer or moving back and forth, like that would have been one thing, but I only ever heard my. I personally right, only right. ever heard it at the end of the hall. Right. So, like, I tried to explain that away and maybe even make yeah. excuses if it just didn't move. It was standing right. And, and mind you, when I was saying this, I, I wasn't up there. I know what we tried to do. We tried to debunk first and then try to prove it later. Right. Uh, it was just at that time that you were saying that, I didn't disagree with you. I was like, that's a, that's a good possibility. But I heard two distinct, no different noises. And I didn't hear it going away much like you were saying. It was just in one solid place. But the noises I was hearing earlier on, was moving and went from door to door to door. Well, I would so, say again, the EVP that I found that I believe well, I, I, I don't, it's just not an EVP. The sound clip that I found that seems to coincide with that, it did very much sound to me as if the footsteps were getting closer to and then at another point further away from the microphone. Right, right. So, to me, and that microphone was behind us. Right. So, yeah. To me, I heard what I interpreted as movement. Yeah, and this goes more to my point of like you heard one thing, I heard another, and you 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 kind of heard it as it is. Yeah. So we had two distinct things where you heard something, your mind tried to disprove it, I heard it and just took it. But to be fair, again, I heard two different things throughout the night. Like there was a time where I heard it getting closer and further, and it was moving. It was moving very much towards me. Right, and this goes more to my point of two people will. And I told my nephew this later that night. Two people will always have different aspects of the same thing, because you heard one thing, I heard another, and I didn't get the chance. Andrew's not here, so I can't get what he heard. Right, but you were right, and. Well, and I was. To be fair, she wasn't even aware. She just heard the audio from the camera. So three people heard three distinct different things. Yeah. So finding information and finding something out that actually everyone coincides on is actually the trick of ghost hunting. Yeah. And to be fair, that also brings up a super good point on, like, even when we are ghost hunting our group, Mm -hmm. even as close as we are, as similar as we are, we do our best not to talk, not to share information, and not to 
to do everything we can, particularly to avoid influencing anybody else. Someone else's opinion, yes. Until we're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know true. what I mean? And mind you, we do take breaks here and there because you can only sit in a room for so long before like, I need to get up and move. And we're smokers. So. Right, right. That night specifically was like, holy crap. Yeah, I need to move. Freezing. It was 10 degrees <laughs> and we had to go back to a warm spot. So, yes, at the time when we take a break, we do <laughs> transfer the cough. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we do take breaks and then we do talk about the information then and there. But again, that brings up the point of just because you see something, hear something doesn't mean that's actually what it is. Yeah. And that was in the case of this storyteller costume. And that's, that's one of those things. And I agree. I agree. So that's pretty. And my point would be that we don't do it in the moment ever. No, 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 no. The moment is, it's just like having a conversation with your significant other when you're angry. You just don't do that. Yeah, just don't do it. Ah. Like, I would rather have an argument with Joe 20 minutes later on whether it was getting closer or not. Right. Then we all just buy into this, like, mass hallucination all of a sudden that, yo, this is exactly what happened. Like, right. no argument. And don't get me wrong, there are some times where if we kind of do get bogged into the mass hallucination. So having somewhere, having someone, whether it's Teresa, Alex, me, my nephew, or some of the other people we go out with, pull us out of that is a very valuable thing. Yeah. Because you have to have that because you can go, no, no pun intended. You can go down the rabbit hole very far and lose yourself in that kind of stuff. I agree. So having Absolutely. that person that's like, no, I, I think it's more than this is paramount to a group, in my opinion. I agree wholeheartedly. Well, we just had every group at the very least and just skeptic. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you have that, if, if not a critic in every town, if they would have had one person who was like, I think you guys are way off base with this. It's just a bunch of frogs and it's literally mimicking Briar Rabbit, which if you guys have ever seen the, the cartoon or read I the have, book, yeah. it's a great storytelling book. Yeah, agreed. And that came straight out of the South. So granted, they probably couldn't remake it nowadays, but <laughs> that's got me thinking. Um, and you're welcome. That's the purpose of my discussion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. I think it's a discussion that needs to be happening. It needs to happen. I agree. It's yeah. a good one. My thought was like on topic, but also off topic. So it was regarding Andrew. Mm -hmm. Andrew is our newest investigator to the yes. team. And he, I'm sure I sung his praises quite a bit when we came back yeah. from Madison. He did a phenomenal job, got a great solid head on his shoulders. I would actually really enjoy having him guest for one of our roundtables. We need to get a guest for one roundtable. Yeah. No, he said we wanted to do it. So yeah. to do I almost forgive you for talking shit about Ohio that one time. <laughs> he won't let it go. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. I love you. I do. You're a great dude. One of the reasons I'd like to know the round table is obviously he was, that was his very first big real investigation. Right. He's brand new to the team. He's known you for a long time, obviously, but well, not that's us. my nephew. So yeah, right. <laughs> he hasn't known us for ridiculously long amounts of time, uh, just a few years, really. Mm -hmm. So, and he's definitely never been with us in that sort of setting in that situation. Only once when we took him to the place we go, right? But and I was, was really saying that that was a. I don't. That's a testing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't really call that. This like is a, this is what I'll say. Investigation. And between you two, this is this is what I'm going to toss out there right now. The first time that we don't have a guest for a round table, that is the topic of discussion. I just... Indigo? Absolutely. I'm for it. I'll even say a fuck yeah on that. And we are just going to deep dive on that place. No, yeah, I'm for it. 
I agree wholeheartedly. I don't know what people. I, I've just been waiting for the right time, and I feel like the first time that we just have like a guest fall out or you know something falls through and doesn't that's happen, it. just good. Like, it, that's a good time to do it. Let's just go no, ahead. I am all for that. I don't even have notes for that sucker. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> no notes necessary. No, no anything necessary. I got all the info right in my noodle. Uh huh. And that might be a thick soak because we got some stories. Oh, it will be thick. It will <laughs> be thick. Super ridiculously. Is ridiculously interested in hearing what listeners have to say about the different aspects of that place. Mm, the, yes. uh, and, you know, if we could find even another big one, if we could find some friends out there who like to listen, who potentially are knowledgeable about Native American lore. Yeah. I 110% would love to hear opinions. Yes. And if we do have actually that round table, I'm up. I'll point this out right now, and I haven't brought it up to you two, so I'm sorry about this. If we have that roundtable, and you guys want to experience that place with us, granted, it's going to have to be in the summer. Yeah. Let us know. Contact us on Facebook. Oh, shit. Uh, we, we're we can we can go out like one weekend at a time. Like, yeah. I, clearly, I'm not going to schedule 50 people. No, 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 no. It was all I was thinking. I, I don't mind taking people to that place. I, I like to share that with them. It's, yeah, it's... A, different kind of place and i feel like everybody's going to experience something different there and i'll put it this way because and we'll have this on the discussion be who you are there oh gosh please the place will recognize it and it will reject you so just be you don't (laughs) fake it don't lie just be you you are going to see i feel like with that place you're going to see either exactly what you're looking for or exactly the opposite of what you're looking yeah. for. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I don't know which one it's going to be. I can't promise anything. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, very interesting. But that was my story for this week. That's what I wanted to happen. I wanted to pro- promote discussion and thought. Love it. So, um, so that said, before we wrap up and before we give our, you know, how to get a hold of us and this and how that. To do. And so our, we're clapping just scared the shit out of little fun here. I, I apologize. Did you just fucking never? Yep, she did. Leave it alone. He has tiny feet, so I just went with little foot. Either way. So before we wrap up and before we give our usual contact information and this and that, and we go into what the next state is going to be. Yes. I, I don't say the next episode because I realize we have episodes between here and there. But before, before I give what the next state is going to be, I just wanted to wrap up with this last little story about Eliza and Southern hospitality. Okay. At a late afternoon meeting in front of the fireplace in the main tavern room, a controversial matter was being discussed. One committee member became quite agitated and angry while expounding his or her point of view. Suddenly, a great puff of smoke and ashes blasted from the fireplace, covering the angry person in a coat of gray chimney soot, <laughs> much to the amazement of all the other people there. It was assumed that Eliza Lucas didn't approve of this person's hostile tone and opinion, which, in her mind, did not meet the standards of Southern hospitality, namely being pleasant or finding ways to settle disagreements amicably. (laughs) The staff has to watch what they say as well. During a lunchtime break, two staff members were once discussing the historical district district and how it operates, perhaps being a little too critical in Eliza's opinion. Suddenly, the door to their room began to slide off its hinges, and it hit the floor with a thud. <laughs> Eliza seems to supervise the staff, as well as any visitors, 
And she is a firm believer, it appears, in Southern hospitality. I dig it. The Southern hospitality is a real thing. I was raised up on some of it. Yeah. It is a real thing. They are not joking about it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Just respect the Southern person. Yeah. Good luck. And exactly. And, and you know what? To a lot of people, let me explain this. Like Southern hospitality may not mean exactly what you think it means. Right, right. But what Southern hospitality means to a lot of people that were grown up in at least some sort of Southern semblance right. is being humble, listening to another person's point of view, and not just outright arguing about it. Yeah. Point. There, there's point. an ethical disillusion of... Yeah. yeah. Being an adult. Exactly. Yeah. Grown up. Grow the fuck up. No, I'm saying. You grow. <laughs> 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 but yeah. Don't so be a yeah. dick. <laughs> so, Teresa, go ahead and give us our uh, modes of contact, and then I will give us uh, our next date, and then we will Otherwise, sign off for their sign-offs. Those these sweet people. Otherwise known as socials. <laughs> socials. Like, subscribe, comment. I, I would just love to hear from each and every one of you individually. I have plenty of time to read messages, so please send your stories, send your questions, send whatever the hell makes you feel happy. That said, I did discuss this with my wife. The downside of Spotify is they will let you leave a star review, but they will not let you leave any comments or like reviews. So all of you Apple people, as much as I give my buddy Joe here shit, because I'm a Careful. Southern guy. Southern hospitality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Southern hospitality. All you Apple people, as much as I give Joe shit, I'm a Samsung guy. Um, The iPod podcast stuff. Yeah. That's the only place for the allegedly for review. Yeah. So I noticed that we do have five-star reviews in Spotify, and we do have five-star reviews in Apple. All you Apple people, I would super appreciate it if you left us a comment or a review and just let us know how we're doing. Let us know anything we can improve. Yeah. Uh, because, unfortunately, us Android and Samsung guys don't get the ability to do that because we listen through Spotify. You can 100% always send me any message, any comment, any suggestion, any story that, that you feel like sending me and I will read it and I will respond or the boys if you decide to write to them. But yeah, anyway, facebook.com slash no lights paranormal, no lights para on X. And we are also on LinkedIn at No Lights Ghosts. So you can reach us at any of those places. Uh, and then, of course, No Lights Paranormal at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Said, before I officially announce the state, White, did you say that we actually had a first responder that has somehow, because I said so, earned themselves a hoodie? Oh. Goodness, yes. You said somebody contacted us. As a matter of fact, we did have someone, and you just are going to have to give me half a second to get on into there. I am calling you out because I need that person to message me back with size so I know what size hoodie to get them. Let me let me get in here right quick. One hoodie, so, I'm sorry. If you're married, it's you or your wife, not you and your wife. Well, let's face it. If, it's, if they're married, the husband's hoodie is the wife's hoodie. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Just, just give us the bigger the size and share it. It's fine. Right. right. <laughs> so go ahead and text us with the size that your wife wants you to get. His name is Landon Peterson. 
All right. So, Landon Peterson, we appreciate you reaching out. You have earned yourself the first No Lies Paranormal hoodie. Again, the team doesn't even have one yet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I've got your message pulled up in front of me right this moment. So I'm actually going to be messaging you. And that means that by the time you hear this episode, I'll probably already know the size you want. So she will message you, shoot as a size, and we will go from there. That said, I have checked our reports. We had a surprise overtaking and a super influx of listeners from a particular state and um, somebody jumped the shark somebody more than jumped the shark they jumped like the channel like I, whatever uh, that is <laughs> i don't even know but massachusetts so boston boston well not just boston like massachusetts, massachusetts but, you know. in general. <laughs> yeah but yeah so we had a super influx of downloads in Massachusetts. I don't know whether that was somebody from work that heard me at the podcast or not. I have no <laughs> idea. I don't know anybody personally in Massachusetts. I don't think that I know. But that doesn't mean none of my audience. I have some family members there. Do you? Hmm? Okay. I'm fairly certain. I'm Again, do that doesn't mean some of my audience isn't in Massachusetts right. that I told about it, but right. I don't know anybody personally in yeah, Massachusetts. Right. <laughs> Hi, so, um, Our next state. <laughs> Will be Massachusetts. That said, next week should be a roundtable. So we'll see whether or not we have a guest on our roundtable to yeah. do our roundtable. And again, so just to give you guys some semblance of an idea, the session that we just had at the end of this episode where Joe and I and Teresa discussed how we do things and how this works, like that's the idea behind a roundtable. Only like, just be a whole lot more expansive on it. Yeah. Right, right. And I think that's the original idea I had to the podcast, but I wanted to centralize it more. So we, we don't know where Tell us what you like more. <laughs> we want to hear. We're going to finish running out the states, and we're probably going to do countries now that I have countries that are listening. And right. to be honest, if you like this, this format, then cool, we'll keep doing this, but we'll probably go ahead and do the other format also. So, you know. Agreed. But yes, why not? Spread the wealth out. We love you all. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you so much for all the comments. <laughs> Sending questions, comments, stories. I'm still putting together the podcast sort of spinoff. So so I still need your stories. And it might be more than one spinoff at this point. We don't know. Exactly. I don't know what I'm doing. What I do know is I absolutely love you guys and I appreciate you so very much. Thank yes. You. Love you guys ever so much. And remember to enjoy that good old Southern hospitality. <laughs> Be hospitable. But whatever you do. Don't fuck with Baba Yaga. Nah, I'm a fucks with it.